Let's give it up for Arnie. He's going to come and share an installment. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm excited to be in the house this morning. I certainly, before I get started, want to honor our senior pastor, Pastor Jordan, who is uh, out this morning. I have an opportunity to occasionally sit in, um, preach prep with him and other pastors, and I'll tell you, uh, we should all be honored today to have an opportunity to be led by an individual that puts the word of God before anything else. Let's give it up for our senior pastor, Pastor George, who's out this morning. I, too, want to welcome you to church this morning and all of those that are viewing with us from online. We're excited that you took an opportunity this morning to uh, pull the covers back and to uh, hone in for just a moment to hear uh, a brief word that we're going to be sharing today. Uh, y'all all know that we have been in a series for the last couple of weeks uh, titled The Legends. And uh, although the pastors were challenged with coming up with an Old Testament legend that we would have an opportunity to share with you about in hopes that we might be able to learn something. The Old Testament legend that I'm going to be talking about today is Samson. Samson. If you've been into any Sunday school class or maybe on a Wednesday night service, you all know the story of Samson. But I believe that there's going to be a few points in here that I'll be able to share with you today that's going to help you to see this story in a different light that's going to bring about some things that's going to help us. I will tell you that the story of Samson, while it only covers about three or four chapters, it is filled with nuggets. It is filled with nuggets, and unfortunately, I won't be able to cover them all. So you will have to read the entire story for yourself, but the points that I'm going to make, I'll make sure that they are clear, and I'll make sure that you're understanding where we're going uh, this, this morning. To kind of set the stage a little bit, the background uh, of the story of Samson, it was, you can find it in the book of Judges, actually around about the 13th chapter. The book of Judges in and of itself can be defined as a period of great transition, of great transition. We know that Moses had led the children of Israel uh, through the wilderness. Moses was not able to go into the promised land. Joshua was the man that was going to take them across the Jordan. Joshua did his job. He went in, defeated all the kings of the kingdoms. And Joshua had charged the children of Israel to go in and finish this work. We all know from the book of, of Joshua, Judges, that Joshua died at the age of 110. And I can sit here and tell you this morning that after Joshua died, things went down in a hurry. It was a period of great idolatry. Great idolatry. The one thing that God told the children of Israel to do was to not go in there and begin to follow after other gods. It was a period of great idolatry. It was a period of great mistrust in God. In fact, where the story of, of Samson starts in the book of Judges chapter 13, verse 1, it says, And the people of Israel again, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. 
When I look at that, I can't help but think of all the miracles, all the things that God had done in their lives leading up to this point. But here they were again and again and again doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. One other commentator said it like this. He said that they did what was right in their own minds. Man, that sounds a lot like where we're living today. When we look out across our society, even when we look out across the body of Christ, I hate to say it, it pains me to say it, but so many times we do what was right in our own minds. And every time they would do this, and they did it again and again and again, they got off track with what God had called them to do. And of course, God would always be faithful. He would hear their cry, and he would bring about a deliverer. These deliverers during this particular point in time were called judges, hence the name of the book. Now, these judges, these deliverers, they were not the men and women that we would see today and think about that were in long, black, flowing robes. These, these, was, these were warriors. These, these, these were warriors ordained by God to bring about deliverance. And again, the one that we're going to be talking about today is Samson. He is the 12th of all of the judges. He would be the last one. I think it is fitting for us to talk about him as today we're also wrapping up this series of our Old Testament legends. Of course, if you're going to need a deliverer, then there must be an enemy. So that to kind of bring everybody up to speed, the Philistine. We've all heard and we know about the Philistine. Those were the ones that were antagonizing the children of Israel during this time to when Samson was called onto the scene. So as we jump into the story of Samson, I, I, and as I was preparing this message, I, I, I thought how hard it must have been for Samson throughout his life and maybe even more so at the end of his life uh, in terms of a man probably having to live with a lot of regrets. A lot of regrets. Regrets normally come about when you look back over a period of time in your life and you, you, you begin to wonder about the decisions that you wish that you could have made or should have made, but you didn't make. The things that you should have done, but you didn't do. When I look at his life, I was like, wow, man, those last days must have been very, very tough for him. And the reason why I think they were so tough for Samson is because Samson had everything that he needed to be successful. He had everything that he needed to be a deliverer. He left a lot of opportunities on the table. And I'm hoping today that as we go through Samson's life, we can take some learnings away from that and not leave so many opportunities that God has given us. We don't want to leave them on the table. Now, as we cover this story, our, our goal again is to learn from Samson's life, right? You know, it's a lot of times it's good and easy to stand up here and to just beat Samson up for all the things that he did wrong, right? But we're not wanting to do that today. I think we're going to find ourselves very, very similar to Samson in a whole lot of ways. So we don't want to beat him up. We want to learn from his mistakes. The first thing we want to learn from Samson, though, is that he was born with a clear purpose. Judges 13, chapter 13, verses 3 through 5. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman 
and said to her, Behold, you are bearing and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. And no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistine. Right there, we can see right off that Samson was spoken for by God. Spoken for by God. Even before he was formed in the womb, God said, he is going to be mine. He gave his mother the stipulations that she could not drink any wine or strong drink. She could not eat anything or touch anything unclean. And she said, once this boy arrives, no razor shall come upon his head. Again, Samson's purpose was to deliver the children of Israel out of the hand of the Philistine. And, and just to let you know how God was going to use him to do this, upon the, the, the anointing and the Holy Spirit coming upon Samson, he would have this supernatural strength to be able to take out entire armies by himself. This was a bad man. He was a bad man. But we see from Scripture again he was born with a clear purpose. Another thing that we can learn about Samson early on in his life is that he was not only born with a clear purpose, but he was positioned for greatness to achieve the purpose that God had brought him into this world to achieve. And we can see that very clearly in the 13th chapter, verses 24 and 25. It says, And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew. And the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. So we can see that she named him. She named him Samson. And if you've studied the Old Testament for any length of time, you know that your name had a lot to do with your calling or with your purpose. Samson's name actually meant like the sun. I believe he was called that because I believe that he was supposed to have been the shining ray of God that the children of Israel had an opportunity to look upon to be drawn back to the one true Lord and, 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 and God of, of all time, to be drawn back to God. I believe he was supposed to be used in that manner. But the scripture lets us know that he grew, that he was blessed, and that the spirit of the Lord was upon him. I would say that that's a, that's a pretty darn good combination right there. I don't know about you, but when I came on the scene as a child, I don't think the angel showed up to my mother and said, this boy is going to be great. <laughs> I certainly wasn't as blessed as he was spoken of here. So we just got here. We just kind of figured this thing out. But Samson had all that he needed to be successful. So we might sit today in the comfort of our air-conditioned auditorium and say, what went wrong? Why was he not able to fulfill his purpose. I think we can see this very clearly in Judges chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. It says, Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistine. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistine at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Verse 3, which we don't have on the screen, at the end of verse 3 it says, For she is right in my eyes. We see here that Samson saw. 
we can take away from this very quickly that what we focus on, those things will draw us toward those things. That's why the scripture tells us to guard our heart. Samson saw things, and it's okay to see, but it eventually drew him in those directions. Now, this is what I find so amazing here. This is a man that had, before birth, had been called to deliver the children of Israel from the hands of the Philistine. And the first spoken words in Scripture that he told his mom and dad was, Go get me one of the Philistine girls. I, I would say he was a little distracted. He was a little off course. He probably knew he was supposed to go down there and take care of business, but he was distracted. We might say that, that Samson had a, a character flaw. Raise your hand in here if you got a few character flaws. I, I, I raised my hand first. I was raising my hand as I was writing these notes. But, but Samson had a, a character flaw, and these flaws caused Samson to be driven by fleshly desires. They caused him to be drawn to the sin rather than from the sin. And this disturbed his parents quite a bit. But they were like, hey, you got all your relatives around here. Can't you marry one of these? They warned him and says, hey, these are pagans. These people are uncircumcised. We're not to be co-mingling with them. Samson was flawed as we are flawed today. However, now, it, 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 it's okay to, to, to have flaws. We, over time, as we walk our salvation out, we expect for those flaws to get smaller and smaller in our life. So we will likely continue to, to, to walk in our flaws from time to time. But the, 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 the thing that we want to really focus on is how do we deal with the flaws? You know, again, we, we, we know we're going to have them. But how do you deal with the flaws? So let, let's see how Samson dealt with his flaws. Now, I want to encourage you. It, it's going to be easy to give Samson an F on this. <laughs> it's going to be real easy to give him an F, okay? Let's cut him some slack. Let's see how the story unfolds, all right? So this, this woman that we just read about, story lets us know that Samson went on to marry this woman. And uh, through a whole lot of bad events, uh, she actually ended up getting burned. But we're not going to go in that story. If you want to find out, you've got to read the whole thing. But he went on to also have other relationships that he should not have been in. Scripture lets us know that he hooked up with a prostitute at one point in time. And then he goes on to tell another story about a lady named Delilah. And by this time in the story, Samson had just been wreaking great havoc in the land of the Philistines. On one instance, he killed a thousand men. On another instance, he, he kills some more. One time, they, Scripture lets us know that he just snatched a gate off of a city out of the ground and the post that held the gate carried it on his shoulder and just walked up the hill with it. He was a bad man, and, 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 and the Philistines were about tired of it. And they knew that Samson had a thing for women, and, 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 and they knew that they had a, he had a thing for Delilah. So the, the leaders of that time of the Philistine told Delilah, he says, hey, this guy is tearing us up. We need you to seduce him and to find out what his great strength is. And they promised her 1,100 pieces of silver. Each one of them said, we'll give you 1,100 pieces of silver if you can find this out for us. 
And the story picks up here in, in the scripture where, where Samson is alone with Delilah. She looked good to him. She knew it, so she seduced him. And so they imagine now they're at her house. And in this house, she got men, Philistine men, hiding around the corner. As she's about to go about trying to find out what his secret is. Now you would think a woman of her, of her nature would probably not come at Samson straight on, right? It was, you, you would think that she would probably just kind of beat around the bush a little bit. But she, she, she pretty much in her house, this is what she asked him. You're not going to believe this. You have to read it to believe it. She says, please tell me where your great strength lies. And how you might be bound that one could subdue you. <laughs> that would be like the enemy coming up to you saying, okay, I, I got a mission. To steal, kill, and destroy. Which one you want me to use against you? <laughs> I'll take destruction 4,000. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she was just so obvious right here. She said, she says, what, what, what will it take for me to, to overcome you? Let, let, let's jump right here in the scripture. Judges 16, verses 16 and 17, it says, And when she pressed him hard, he was with her in her room, a place that he should not have been. She has already asked him, what will make you weak? What will make you not have the anointing that God seems to put upon you to do what you do. So he's here with her, and he says, when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart, and he said to her, unbelievable, a razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved in, my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. That's a lot in that scripture. I can't even hit all the points. But the first one that I want to point out to you is that she pressed him hard. She pressed him hard. That word means to compress. It means to oppress. It means to constrain. But the crazy part about this whole scripture is she did it day after day. This dude just stayed there. Boop, boop, boop. And sometimes we stand right in front of the enemy too. I'm telling you, don't grade him with the F yet. We, we, we examine our own lives. Sometimes we stand right in front of the enemy. Just boop, boop. And we're not supposed Day after day, she pressed him. And it goes on to say, he told her all his heart, which was a razor has never come upon my head. And then he goes on to say, and if that happens, I shall become weak and be like any other man. Guys, Samson had everything he needed. He, I mean, he was locked and loaded. But his focus was off. And we can see right here early, early on, he's not handling his flaws. He knew he had a weakness for women. And we may have our different vices and our different weaknesses but, man, we can't stand in front of the enemy and think at some point we're going to overcome him in our own strength. He shall, I shall become weak like any other man. Our note for us today is that God has not called us as believers to be like any other man. 
He has called us to be different. He has called us out. He has called us to be mature and to be bold and courageous. He wants us to run to him, not away from him. When our flaws in our life seem like they're going to come in and override us. Samson didn't do that. We might, give our, we might look at Samson's life after reading that portion right there. You're like, you know what? Cut the guy some slack, Arnie. Cut him some slack. This is his first time doing it. Him being pressed like that. Him being put under that amount of pressure. But guess what? That wasn't his first time being pressed like that. Remember the wife? The, the wife, the, the, the lady that he saw in Timnah? And by the way, Timnah was only about 20 miles down the road, okay? Good days walk back then. Remember her? Let's see how she did the same thing. Judges chapter 14, verses 17. She wept before him the seven days of their feast, that their feast lasted. And on the seventh day, he told her because she pressed him hard. Then she told the riddle to her people. So let's, let's back up. Samson was about to marry this lady, and there was a seven-day feast. Very common during that period in time. So Samson comes up with this bright idea that I'm going to come up with this riddle. And there was 30 couples that came to celebrate this happy matrimony. And Samson comes up with a riddle and says, hey, by the end of this seven-day feast, if you can solve this riddle, I'll give you a linen garment and a set of clothes. But if you can't solve it, then you have to give me the clothes. Well, the Philistine men, again, had about had enough of Samson, so they went to Samson's wife. And they told him, he said, hey, you need to entice this joker. You need to trip him up. We need to find out what this riddle is. Otherwise, we're going to have to come out of our pocket and go buy some clothes. And we ain't about that. That's what they told her. And they also told her, if you don't find out what it is, we're going we're gonna to burn you and, and, and your father's house down. The story went on to say they didn't burn the house. They actually burned them. They enticed his wife. And she told him, she, 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 she went in and she cried to Samson. She pressed him hard is the point that we want to make. Guys, I'm telling you this. If you're about to marry a young lady and she cries for the, for the seven days leading up to the marriage, <laughs> you might not want to tie that knot. <laughs> you might want to rethink that thing. But the scripture says she wept before him for seven days. Again, you can see the pattern in Samson's life. Delilah did the same thing day after day. His first wife did the same thing. Seven days straight, she pressed him. And this is the ticket that both of them used. Both of these ladies told him the same thing. You know what they told him? You don't love me. You don't love me. That's why you won't tell me. I'll tell you this, and this is a sidebar. Love is one of the most misunderstood things that I think in this whole world. And we do this to each other sometimes. You don't do this for me because you don't love me. You don't do it because you don't love me. But they pressed him hard. And I was amazed when I read this very closely. Both of them said the same thing. You don't love me as they were pressing him. And he folded like a weak deck of cards every time they did it. I mean, just collapsed right there. So this wasn't the first time that Samson had been pressed. So we have to ask ourselves, what's pressing you today? This is a good moment right here in the, in the sermon to say, what's pressing you today? What are you playing with the enemy on? 
What relationship are you in to where you know you shouldn't be in it, but you feel that I can get close enough? I can handle it. Put your chest. I can handle this. If I push harder, if I do it, you got me the last time. I learned my lesson. I can do it this time. Guys, we cannot do it. We cannot do it in our own strength. We got to stop negotiating with the enemy. We got to stop hanging out so closely with the enemy in our own strength, thinking that we can overcome. We got to stop playing with fire. Scriptures let us know that we can't take fire into our bosom and, that, and expect not to get burned. We're going to get burned. Again, we all have flaws, but we can see from Samson's life here, he's not handling these things well. Samson embraced, he seemed to embrace these things that were in his life, and it actually caused him to go deeper and deeper into sin. We might ask ourselves, how could this have happened to a man who has such a strong beginning? That's a fair question for us to ask ourselves. Man, I remember when I first got saved, I was on fire for God. What happened? Man, I remember when I loved to come to church. I loved to serve. Now I don't have a heart harder for anything. What happened? What intersected us? What distracted us? Let's see what we can learn a little bit more from Samson's life. Judges 16, chapter 16, verses 19 and 20. Before I read this scripture, I want to set it up in verse 18. Remember now, he's with Delilah. He's told about, hey, if you shave my hair and all that kind of good stuff. He told her his whole heart. In verse 18, Delilah at this point, she had gone and gone, went ahead and told the men in the house, like, hey, go get the guys. Tell them to bring me my money. That's what verse 18 says. Verse 19 says this. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistine are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. When I look at that whole whole scripture right there I can come up with only one thing Samson had become so comfortable in his sin and in his own strength that he felt that he could do it again have you ever been there before I can do it I got it the scriptures lets us know that that's deception comfort in sin equals deception comfort in your own strength equals deception Samson had convinced himself over time that he could handle the pressure. And I think one of the reasons why Samson felt that he could overcome this is because in so many other arenas, God was still using Samson. And sometimes that can be confusing to us. How can God continue to use me if this is a bad thing? If this was a bad thing, have you ever did that? If this was a bad thing, then God would stop me. If this was a good, a bad thing, then, then, then God would probably send the leader and tell me that I, I, I can't serve anymore. And we can't, we play these games with God. And God says, hey, I'm not playing the game. We need to deal with this. So don't be confused if you're in this room today that just because by the grace of God, he's allowing you to still function as a believer, that he's okay with the flaws in your life that you have not brought to him. That's not okay. That's not okay. 
But Samson had convinced himself that he could handle. He was so deceived. The scriptures let us know that he did not know that the Lord had left him. Wow. The spirit of the Lord had left him. His strength was gone. That relationship that he had with God, it was gone. He was so deceived and so eaten up with himself that I can handle this. He did not even realize that the spirit of the Lord, the anointing, had left him. Church, sin separates us from God. There's no other way to say it. Sin separates us from God. But he was deceived. Galatians 6 and 7 through 8 says this. Do not be deceived. Pretty, pretty, pretty clear. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Samson had sown so much over the years. He served for 20 years, by the way. 20 years of this. 20 years. Samson's life was a lot like the children of Israel, the very people that he was supposed to have been going to pull out. Ups and downs. 20 years he had served. 20 years he had served, but he had been serving primarily sowing into his own flesh. And in the end, as we'll see here shortly, he reaped corruption. But we're to sow into our spirit. We're to sow into our calling and our purpose that God has put us on this earth to achieve. It's time out for us to stop trying to shake ourselves free. That's what Samson said. You can't shake yourself to freedom. Some of the very things that we're fighting for today that we're calling freedom, I'm telling you what, we, when we get to the end of what we're fighting for in, in our society today, I want my freedom, I want my freedom. Freedom begins and ends in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Everything else we're looking for to, to, to try to get us free, to get us happy, to try to get my joy on, we, we, we're just going down the wrong road just as Samson was. He said, I'm going to shake myself free. You can't shake yourself to freedom. That only comes through, through Jesus and having a relationship with him. Now, set this next scene up as we begin to wrap this thing up. Samson is captured. Samson is captured. And I'm sure at this point in time, while he's sitting in prison, he is full of regrets. Story lets us know that his eyes were gouged out. His eyes were gouged out. Y'all remember how we started? He saw the very eyes that got him off track ultimately ended up being gouged out. Samson had to be blinded in order for him to see God. And we don't have to go that far. We have an opportunity to hear the word of God today, to have our eyes opened and to be able to make a decision that's going to have a great impact upon us for the rest of our life. But he was in this prison. He was blinded. Scripture lets us know that he was a grinder. And on this one evening, those Philistine lords called him out into the center of the temple. It'll be, I think it was like 3,000 of them, the scripture says. And, and they, 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 they wanted him to entertain them. And basically, they were celebrating because they were, they were saying that their God, Dagon, that's who their God was. And they said, our God has beat Samson's God. And they said, call him out there and, and, and let him entertain us. Church, that's why it's so important that we have to stand for God because I'm telling you, the enemy is keeping score. 
And they were trying to show up our God, the God that we serve still today. They were trying to say, our God beats your God. The world is trying to do the same thing to us today. Our God is bigger than your God. And we're looking, we don't want to be entertaining those things of the world. But we're going to go on with the scripture right here. Because even during this time, when Samson was probably at a very, very low point, even in the midst of all of his folly, God was still fighting for Samson. And he's still fighting for you. Judges chapter 16, 28 through 30. It says, then Samson called to the Lord and said, oh Lord God, please remember me. He's out there. They got him tied, two, two big pillars. They got him tied up and he yells out, Lord, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. Oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and he leaned his weight on them. In essence, what Samson says, Lord, let me flex on them one more time. Let me get them one more, give me one more shot, Lord. Give me one more shot. And he bowed with all of his strength and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. He killed at his death more than those whom he had killed during his life. Scripture lets us know that was 3,000 people on that day that he killed. Imagine, imagine, imagine if he had started off right. Imagine if he had dealt with a flaw. Imagine complete deliverance rather than a partial deliverance. Imagine complete victory as opposed to a partial victory. It was at this time in that prison that Samson finally realized that his full potential all along was in Christ. And your full potential, even today, is in Christ. Your full, your best you, your best self is in Christ. Samson called out to the Lord, Lord, remember me. And God answered, and God answered, God answered. And I believe that if we will humble ourselves and cry out to the Lord today, he would hear our prayer just as he heard Samson even on that day. The last scripture that I want to read is, 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 is where we can kind of get the revelation of what we sing about today. That, that, that God has already sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. God has already forgiven us. The death was for past sins, current sins, and future. He, he, he's, he, he has already forgiven us. And I believe this scripture is going to bring all that we have talking, talked about thus far to a, to a perfect, beautiful head to let us know even more so that God has forgiven us. Judges, Judges 16 and 22. It was, there's this one scripture, it was kind of tucked in here. Almost out of place. Almost out of place because it, there was nothing before it or nothing after to kind of let you know that, that, that where it was. Now, we just got to reading Judges 16 and 28. But let's go back and see what was already happening on Samson's behalf. You got to get this. If you don't get this, you missed the whole point of what I've been talking about for the last 30 minutes. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. That's verse 22. Y'all see what I'm That's verse 22. 
Samson cried out in verse 28. In verse 22, God had already began to make a way. He hadn't realized it yet. But God had already began to make a way. Even in the midst of the hurt, the pain, the regrets, the shame, the condemnation, and the guilt that we may be having in this room today, and even to you that are at home, God has already paved the way. The debt has been paid. And there's no longer a reason for you to mourn about your yesterday any longer. He has already made a way for you. So we look at Samson's life, probably filled with a lot of regrets. He was to be the deliverer. And we know that he left a lot on the table. He didn't deal with his flaws very well. I think we get the point. If we got flaws in our life, those things that are pushing us to the edge, those things that we're playing with, we got to deal with those things, church. We got to deal. Our very life, the life of our children, the life of our society, it depends on how well the body of Christ deals with its flaws. We can't deal with them the way that the world deals with its stuff. We can't do it their way. Samson may have failed as the deliverer, but Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus did. Guys, he put all the cards on the table and left nothing that left nothing open for dispute. It is settled. It is settled. And today, if you're in this room, you can bring him all of your flaws. You can bring him all of your flaws. Today, if you're in this room and if you cry out to the Lord, he will hear your prayer and he will answer you. Let us get along with God. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word today. It was so simple. But God, even the most complex or even simple words, Father God, if, if it has not pricked the heart, God, there will be no meaningful change. Father, we ask that this word today rest upon good soil. Father, to the believer in this room that have played with fire, that have played with the flaws in their life too long, God, my prayer is that they will repent and God, that they will get back on point to what you call them to do and who you call them to be Father to those that don't have a relationship with you God I'm asking that you touch their heart even as we prepare to pray with them God that they will get the revelation that the things that they're fighting for the things that they need that hold that gap in their life God that you have that you're the only one that can fill it those that feel that they've sinned so greatly that the sin can't be overcome. God, I pray right now that you begin to, to touch their heart, tenderizing their heart, God, so that as we pray, Lord, that they'll receive you as their Lord and Savior. If you don't have a relationship with God today and you want to get this thing right, if you're tired of sowing into your flesh and you want to begin to sow into spiritual things, those things that are going to have an impact on where you're going to spend eternity, trust me, there will be an eternity. This day, you get to decide where you will spend it. This day. You don't have to wait until your eyes get gouged out till the enemy just beat you into a pulp before you cry out to the Lord as Samson did. 
If you don't have a relationship with God, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, dear Lord, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I repent of my sin. And I confess today that you are my Lord. And I believe that you have been, that, that you have been raised from the dead. And that God, upon your word, you said that if I believe that your son Jesus has been raised from the dead, then I shall be saved. So, dear Lord, this day, this moment, I take you at your word and declare that I am saved. Teach me to know you, Lord, and teach me to love you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.